Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Once again, welcome to the show. Welcome to the place I talk about a lot of different things that go on in my stay at home dad life. Things with my kids, my family, men's health and wellness, parenting struggles and tips I have, and plus a lot of other random things that I just tend to think about and research. I come on here and I talk about with you. So I hope something in there entertains or interests you to some capacity. So... Anyways, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for joining me. All right, so usually I have some interesting opener, something dumb that I want to complain about or that bothers me or something to that effect. But today, you know, I don't. I tried coming up with something that has really kind of stuck with me that I wanted to sit here and chat about for a couple minutes. But, you know... I've got nothing. You're probably tired of me uh, turning this into a blog and you hearing about my kids going to school or the trouble I'm having with whatever thing that I have, whatever flavor of the week is going on. So yeah, I don't really have anything of significance to talk about. So I figure we'll just get right into the episode. Anyways, like I said last week, I wanted to talk about a few parenting trends and kind of what's going on, and I've been reading and researching a bit and kind of perusing the internet to see what's out there, and that's kind of where I'm going to go today. And I know it's a little late to do that. I mean, the year is almost halfway through. No, it is over halfway through. It's, what is it? It's September now. So yeah, we're almost done with 2023, so... Maybe none of these will have any relevance to anyone, but, you know, oh well. Now, we all hear a lot of different opinions on this topic in this sector. I mean, we all think that we have the right answer, right? Influencers think they have all the answers. Other groups, other blogs or mom groups or dad groups or whatever. And even those stupid podcasters think that they know what's going on that what they're doing is the best, which kind of thinking about it, maybe it is the best for their own situation, for their individual needs, or for how their families are, or how their kids are, or X, Y, Z. And even though I do it sometimes, I talk about things and try to explain things, it probably gets kind of annoying, doesn't it? I know it annoys me. Scrolling on social media and just bam, it's just right there. It's in your face that what you're doing is wrong and you need to follow these steps to a T to make sure that your child grows up or acts the right way or that you're not giving them trauma by doing something that you didn't know or realize you were doing or some other scare tactic that says you're doing everything wrong and you have to do this otherwise it's gonna just be terrible for your child you know follow these tips for connecting with your wife or being a better parent or do this to raise an emotional blah 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 you know what i mean or don't boss your kids around let them be free thinkers let them make their own decisions it just gets a little overwhelming at times you kind of start second-guessing yourself as if, hey, am I doing anything right? Oh my gosh, everything I'm doing is wrong. And like I said, maybe I do it a bit, but I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. That's what I tell my kids too. I'm like, hey, 
This is the first time I've been a dad, okay? This is my first time. I am not sure of all the tips and tricks or the right answers. And I tell them that, and I try to be very honest with them. I'm just probably like everyone else, just trying to do the best that I can and relaying information that I deem is useful or that may be helpful, and I relay it to you guys. So anyways, that brings me here, this uh, BuzzFeed article that I came across. You know, I like BuzzFeed articles apparently because I talk about them quite often. By the way, in my searching, the article on dads and their parenting styles or trends or focusing more on how they parent are kind of few and far between, I'll be honest. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe I'm not looking in the right place. So if you know of some good parenting articles about dads or that involve dads, let me know. I'd love to hear it. But anyways, this one's called 10 Parenting Trends to Ditch and 10 Old Ones that We Need to Bring Back into Play. So I'm just going to go through this article and kind of talk about a few of these and throw my two cents on there and uh, maybe enlighten you a little bit and tell you something that you didn't already know, hopefully. So the article starts off and says, no parent is perfect, but over time, every generation has their pearls of parenting wisdom. And parenting, like other areas of life, is subject to fads, trends that come and go. So I don't know who wrote this, Angela, Angela Andaloro, I think that's how I say her name. I don't know, but giving credit to her because I'm not an article writer. I'm just an article reader. All right, so get into this article here. And this isn't new, it's, you know, it's a little bit older, but I think it's pretty relevant for kind of what's going on today. Here it says, here's some things to look at past parenting has offered, as well as some current trends that we desperately need to ditch. Number one, first one that they say to retire is gentle-ish parenting. They say gentle-ish parenting is best described by someone who says their parenting methods are the same of a gentle parent, but are somehow not achieving the same goals. Now, I kind of read a little bit on gentle parenting because I thought gentle parenting was really bad. Like, oh my gosh, you just treat your child and they do no wrong and you just kind of handle them with quote unquote kid gloves. I know they're kids, but you handle them very gently, right? And you kind of do everything for them and yada, yada, yada. But I did a little research on gentle parenting itself. And the definition that I got of gentle parenting is the approach to raising children that focuses on empathy, respect, and non-punitive discipline. It's often characterized by nurturing and understanding rather than punitive or authoritarian methods. And it says here are some key principles. Importance of understanding and acknowledging a child's feelings and emotions. Instead of relying on punishment, gentle parenting advocates for positive discipline techniques, includes setting clear boundaries, offering choices, and using natural consequences to guide your child's behavior. It also says communication. Effective communication is a cornerstone of gentle parenting. Parents are encouraged to maintain open and honest dialogues with their children, helping them express their feelings and thoughts. Then it goes on with respect and autonomy, avoiding physical punishment, discourages physical punishment such as spanking, promotes nonviolent conflict resolution methods. So, okay, I was reading this and I was like, well, what's what's wrong with gentle parenting, right? I mean, I, I'll be honest, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but that kind of sounds like how I parent. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. Uh, it sounds okay to me. 
Now, I also did some research on why gentle parenting can be bad, and they say it lacks boundaries. Some critics argue that gentle parenting may at times struggle to set clear boundaries and expectations for children, potentially leading to confusion. It requires patience and consistency, not a one-size-fits-all approach, challenges with strong-willed children. So, uh, you know, it doesn't seem that bad to me, but they say to ditch it because they say it's not setting firm boundaries or enforcing boundaries without trying to understand the emotions behind the actions. Half-assing something that's for the greater good may do harm, more harm than good, is what they explain here. Number two, they say to bring back. So this article goes... One to ditch, one to bring back, one to ditch, one to bring back. Okay, so just to kind of give you a little roadmap there. So number two, the one to bring back is family dinners every night. And this I could 100% agree with. I am actually really surprised at the amount of people that don't do this. I've been to friends' houses. I've been to other people's houses. I've talked to people. And they said, oh, yeah, we feed our kids. And then once they are in bed or once they are kind of down and relaxing before bed, than the parents eat. And I heard this on more than one occasion. So I guess I'm not the oddball because I try, we try more often than not, at least, I would say at least six days a week, if not every day, we eat around our table. We set the table. I try to get my kids to set the table, but that doesn't always work. We set the table, we cook dinner. My wife and I try to cook dinner together. And we have a nice family dinner around a table. We, we shut the TV off. We might have some light music on because I've kind of enjoyed that lately. It just sets the mood and just kind of calms me down a little bit. When I'm cooking, I'll put on a little bit of music. And then I'll turn that way down when we eat dinner. And yeah, we just talk about our day. We talk about what's going on. We talk about the weekend. My kids like to probably talk too much because then they don't eat their food. But... You know, we talk about places we want to travel and things we want to do. And it's it's this really nice bonding time that really, for me, it solidifies like, hey, family, and we're together. We're a unit, right? And that's what I really like about it. All right, next one to retire is staycations. Now, this is kind of a post-COVID article. So they're kind of saying, oh, yeah, staycations were fine during the pandemic, but it's not really a good solution. Now that we're out of the pandemic, we need to travel and do stuff and, and uh, let our kids experience places. And that those that have the means deserve to try the opportunity, even if your toddler screams their head off the entire five-hour plane ride. Um, I don't know. I like staycations. I don't mind staycations. I get traveling. I like to travel. My kids love to travel, but... On the other hand, a little trip down to, you know, uh, a couple hours away, I guess, is a couple hours away, is that a staycation still, or am I stretching the staycation thing? Is staycation strictly just at home? Is staycation just, we stay here, we play frisbee in the backyard, and we cook a steak? Is that staycation, or can we include going to a place? Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not. I was going to say it's fine. Staycations are fine if, like, oh, hey, we're going to go camping an hour from the house. But then maybe, hey, maybe that's not a staycation. I don't know. Um, so if we're strictly saying staycation as you're staying home, I guess I wouldn't call it a staycation. 
I would like to have a sleepover with my kid some night. We'll probably, we, they've been asking me. I'm going to plan that. Is that considered a staycation? Well, we, we watch a movie on the iPad. We make popcorn and we hang out in my kid's room and we just like watch a movie and, and, you know, do whatever. I don't, I don't consider that a quote unquote staycation. I think that's just having a fun night with my daughter and bonding. So I know I'm really getting in the weeds here and I'm talking a lot, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe if you have the means, like they said in this article, then go travel, go see stuff. I'll, I'll say the cliche thing. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Okay. And I think our kids appreciate experiencing things, even if they won't remember it. And I've kind of been struggling with this lately, thinking that, oh, my kid's not going to remember this birthday party. We just went to my friend's birthday party. She's two. And my friend, the dad, he's like, oh, he's like, I don't know why we're making all this hubbub. He's like, she's not going to remember this party. She's two. But those experiences, I think, have a huge impact on your child when they're an adult. And I'm not saying like they're going to remember that experience, but I think that kind of cultivates things as to how they are. Maybe it makes them a little more adventurous. Maybe it makes them a little more eager to, you know, do stuff or to see things or it just, it just kind of opens their world to other things other than this little bubble that they live in. Right. So I can kind of get behind getting out even when your kids are young. I kind of like that. Anyways, I'm rambling. Uh, number four, what to bring back is basic birthdays. Now I'm not going to get into this a bunch because I already talked about this a few weeks ago on the big blowout parties that kids have these days. And actually not the kids have, it's that parents plan and have for their kids. Let's get back to the basics. It's okay to have a family birthday party with one or two friends. There's this thing with being all inclusive and I've fallen into it as well. Trying to include everyone there's, there was a time where my daughter was excluded from a party. I've never talked about it. I don't really want to, honestly. Um, and it was, by a, it was by a friend. It was by a, an adult friend. And I just felt kind of burned by that. And my daughter felt kind of burned by that. And I don't know. It kind of hurt, you know. And I have always been inclusive, inclusive. Invite everyone. If you invite five out of the eight kids, you better invite the eight kids, right? Like that's where my mind's always been. But now that I'm sitting here talking about it, you know, maybe I think it is fine to dial that back. And I said this in that other episode about big parties that eventually our kids are going to form strong bonds with a couple of kids, a couple of girls here and there and they're going to be like their besties and they're going to be inseparable and that's going to be like their crew right I think that's going to happen eventually I don't know what age I should really talk to another friend that has older kids but then I think we can get back to basic parties I like the big parties sometimes I like seeing how happy my kids are but it's come on it's over the top it's crazy they cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars you know half the time you invite all these people I don't know. It's just, it's just over the top. And yeah, we can retire that. I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to talk about it and here I am talking about it. All right. Next one to retire is gender reveals. hundred percent agree. I've never done a gender reveal, but how can I say this politely? 
Nobody cares. That wasn't politely. Nobody cares, though. Nobody is super eager to find out the gender of your baby. More than you guys. More than the parents. More than mom and dad, okay? Nobody else. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to anybody else. So what I'm trying to say is stop doing them. Stop lighting the Arizona desert on fire and creating a 40,000-acre grassland fire because you shot a ball of tannerite to have it explode pink or blue. The most recent one that you probably heard about, if you haven't, it's terrible. It happened in Mexico. Gender reveal party with what looked like a crop duster. Now, if you don't know what a crop duster is, it's the planes that spray crops and they spray chemicals for weeds or pesticides or whatever. There was one of these and it flew over a party of people and it dumped out pink like powder, right? So that was their gender reveal. Well, the plane pulled up and one of the damn wings snapped off of it and the plane spiraled out of the air, crashed, killed the pilot, probably because that old ass plane shouldn't be doing stunts like that. It looked like he kind of yanked on the stick kind of to do something kind of fun, snapped the wing right off. So that was a gender reveal party that had terrible terrible consequences. So stop doing gender reveals. You want to buy a cake and cut a cake with your family? Fine. How about this though? How about you don't find out the gender and you just pick two names and you'd be super surprised when the kid comes out. I think that's pretty damn exciting. Maybe we should do that. And I think that's something that used to be back in the day. We didn't find out the gender of babies all the time. It was just like, hey, we're having a baby. You can't control what it is anyway, so why find out? All right, the one they want to bring back is playing games together. Yes, play games, play board games. We're getting so involved in iPads and devices and phones and everything else. Let's bring back some classic board games. Let's have that family dinner, and then we clear the table, and then we pop out the family game of Monopoly, and we just have fun and play and converse and play a game and get your kids involved, get grandma and grandpa involved and just have a good time. I feel like this is something that's kind of gone away, but it's never gone, gone away, but it's kind of declined. And I think it's something that could be a pretty awesome tradition. Even as your kids get older, you could still play your Christmas game of Monopoly or something fun and uh, just sit around as a family. I like it. All right, next one to retire, bulldozer parenting. I know there was another episode where I talked about different types of parenting, and I might have mentioned bulldozer parenting. The article says, a lot of bulldozer parents are truly well-meaning in trying to protect their kids, but take it a bit too far by eliminating anything and everything that could cause their kids to struggle or feel bad or anything, anything that would rob them of their ability to learn how to cope with those situations. It actually makes it worse because we just bulldoze them and we get them all out of the way. And then when our kids really have to deal with something hard or deal with a certain situation, they're not going to know what to do. And it's going to be that much harder down the road because they don't know how to navigate a situation like that. We overprotect, we problem solve for our kids, we micromanage our kids. And it's like we try to have our kids avoid failure at all costs. So yeah, let's uh, put that one to bed. All right, bring back time outdoors. 100% agree, and let me be a little honest with this one. I've 
kind of failed at this point. I've done the opposite of this sometimes. So my kids have been wanting to go outside and I've been the typical, the lazy dad that didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go outside. I just wanted to, I just wanted to sit. I just wanted to sit on my phone. Let's be honest. And I'm like, why do you guys want to go outside? This and that. And I create myself, I create all these roadblocks as to why I don't think my kids should go outside. And that's, that's wrong. That's something that I shouldn't even be doing. I, it's like I would almost rather them go watch TV than go outside and, and use their imagination and pretend and play with stuff and do sidewalk chalk and talk to friends. And I'm not saying I do this all the time. It's just I do catch myself occasionally being like, no, gosh, like, why do you want to go outside? It's so hot. Or why do you want to go outside? Let's just relax or some other lame excuse. And I have to get over that. I've got to quit doing that. We've, we've got to get our kids outside. We've, I know there's probably some kids that don't want to go outside. They would rather sit inside and play video games and do nothing and veg out in front of the TV. But we can't do that. And just like this article says, it says childhood is all about exploring and developing a relationship with nature outside. So let your kids play with worms in the garden or water flowers or play sports or have a picnic or all those things. But we should be finding a reason to go outside, not the other way around. Not trying to keep them inside like I have occasionally done. So... Yes, get them outside, get them playing. It's kind of funny, my, my youngest daughter, Kennedy, she loves to the, dig in the worms and, and look for stuff and look for bugs. Even both my kids do. My, my older daughter does too. They, they had a bucket of roly-polies the other day, and I was like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, yeah, we found some, we found some pets. I'm like, right on. So I should really embrace that and let them be outside pretty much whenever they want. But that's the good thing about living in a Midwest suburb that is very safe and we live in a very kind of secluded, private-ish neighborhood that we can do that. They can run around outside and not have to be monitored or watched or helicopter parented, which is probably going to be on this list. But anyways, moving on here. All right, next one to retire is stage parenting. So the article says, there are plenty of kids who look truly happy and engaged in making content for social media or performing in some other arena like a dance or a music thing or sports. And that's great. But they also say it's incredibly uncomfortable when you come across a page where you can tell that the kid is just uncomfortable and reluctant to make, you know, content. And if that's not your kid... Accept it instead of insisting and contributing to more significant issues in turn. So it pretty much says putting your kid on social media and making them do videos and sports and not sports, but videos of these sports and having them essentially perform, which I, I have come across these. We see these occasionally on social media. If we think about... Ryan's Mystery Playdate. I imagine your kids have watched that show. It used to be a YouTube channel, and then he started just getting offers, and then it was on Nickelodeon, and it was literally this kid that would open gifts and and open things that companies would send him, and he made shit tons of money at like 8, 9, and 10 years old. 
and it was kind of weird. And I mean, I'm not saying that that kid had a problem with it, but they say if your kids are uncomfortable in those situations to rethink what you're doing. So I don't have a lot of input here. I don't put my kids really on social media. I never really put them on Instagram. I have a couple of shots of my kids on Instagram, but I don't flood it and I don't make them perform, you know, jump through hoop tricks to get likes. So let's not do that. All right. The next thing to bring back is a chore chart. I've actually just been thinking about doing a chore chart. I had one a long time ago and I kind of let it go. I don't know what happened. I just stopped enforcing it or stopped using it. And it says, for some reason, people seem to feel off-put by giving their kids regular chores to do. While some of us were asked to handle more than we could growing up, it's not to say that reasonable, scalable responsibilities are beyond a kid's capabilities. Plus, giving kids chores helps them feel like they're contributing to the family unit. So I think chore charts are awesome. I think we do need to bring them back. I think we could have our kids do a couple little things. And I, I, I think it would make their, I don't want to sound too smart or like I'm trying to sound smart, but like their well-being or their, it might make them feel in a lame way to say it, like they're contributing or that they have a responsibility to take care of. I actually saw this one chore chart and it was rotating, but it would be, okay, this week one kid would have the chores of being the gardener. So they would water the house plants and they would take care of the plants on the outside of the house. And then the next one would be assistant chef and they would help with like mealtime and setting the table. And another was like laundry police and they would gather up all the, the dirty laundry in the house and bring it to the lawn, you know, stuff like that. So I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to make something kind of similar to that and make it fun for my kids. So they, I mean, you're not going to enjoy chores, but it's just so they have some sort of responsibility, plain and simple. All right, retire. Next one, retire. Tablets at restaurants. Please, for the love of God, retire tablets at restaurants. Please stop giving your kids tablets and phones and devices at restaurants. Please. Just, it's so crazy. I was actually just on Reddit and I was reading some other parenting things that people are sick of. And there was a woman on there talking about how her nephew has always had a screen or tablet in front of him from birth. And now he's, I don't know, must be six or seven or eight or somewhere in there, or maybe even older. And they said that this kid had tablets at church, in the car, at the restaurant, at home, at the park, like all these places, this kid had tablets. And now he's the most, he doesn't have any social skills. He doesn't talk to anyone. That's all he does. He doesn't have friends. I'm, I'm assuming he's older, but just all these crazy things because he was been, he's been entertained by a screen and he's never learned how to coexist with other people and to make those relationships. And that's really sad that the parents essentially did that to him. So please, yes, don't give your kids tablets at the store or at the restaurants. Bring a pencil, bring a pad of paper, which I have done. And yes, I'm not preaching all holy here. I've given my kid a phone or a tablet at a restaurant occasionally. Have I done it in a long time? No, but there was a time where I was doing this. And 
I stopped. I had to stop. Um, you just kind of think like, Ugh, I don't want to have this type of relationship every time we go out. And plus I had the, uh, the judge goggles on and I thought, man, what are other people thinking of me when my kid is sitting here on a tablet and my wife and I are eating at a restaurant? It just, the optics didn't look good. So yes, bring, bring uh, some crayons, which yes, a lot of restaurants have that stuff, but bring extra paper, bring this. And I've told my girls, I said, hey, draw me a picture of something, underwater scene, a little mermaid, something. I say, draw me a picture, color it, make it beautiful. Or, hey, let's play tic-tac-toe together or draw your favorite this or that. And they do it and they have fun. And it really, you know, it's not them. It's them doing something, but it's not them sitting in front of a screen with their pupils all dilated and they're just zoned out totally. And then you go to take it away because their food's there. And there's this whole situation. So, yes. Kill the iPad at restaurants, at least. You know me, I always talk about screen time and limiting screen time, but let's at least start there. If you have a problem with tablets and things, at least start there. All right, thing to bring back. Kind of goes with the tablets here is doing nothing. And I agree. Kids are forgetting how to be bored. Kids are feeling that they need to be entertained 24-7, all the time. They need to be doing something. Mom and dad need to be doing a craft with them. They need to be looking at an iPad. They need to be watching TV. They need to be just entertained in some capacity. And it, this even goes in the car, too, because it, and, and my kids as well. They'll say, hey, dad, can I have my iPad? And I'm like, like no, but, hey, we're going to be in the car for 10 hours, so here, yeah. But kids have forgotten how to get bored or how to be bored and just look out the window and just see what's passing you by and look at the trucks and count the train cars and all that stuff that we did, us older people, what we did as kids. Now they want that screen. Now they want to be entertained in some fashion. And what comes out of boredom? What do you think comes out of boredom when our kids don't have those things? Creativity, yes, creativity comes out of being bored. And that's when their imaginations will take over and that's when they will pretend with their siblings or their friends and they'll make silly games up that they never would have done if they were preoccupied with something. So there's a huge benefit to being bored. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I really think there is. All right, I'm going to skip around here a little bit because some of these on this article... I'm not really caring about. This is retire pranking your kids. I don't really prank my kids a whole lot. Um, I know Kennedy, my youngest daughter, she used to like to scare people and she thought she was so good at it. And she would pop out and of course you know she's there. And I would do it back to her. This is quite a while ago. And she would think it's funny. Well, I've scared her a couple times. I've like snuck up on her legit. She's been in her room or something reading a book or looking at something and I'll, I'll wait and then when she opens her door, I'll pop out. Well, I've made her cry. I've done that twice, and I made her cry big time. So I get it. Don't prank your kids. It's it's a uh, it's not a not a good thing to do. So I think it I think it comes into there's a lot of videos and things and viral stuff and social media that promotes that. Well, it's it it's not funny. So yeah, I I need to stop doing that. Actually, I have stopped doing that. Not need to. I have stopped doing that. So. 
All right, they say bring back, though, is being a stickler for manners. I would agree with this. I think kids these days, wow, that makes me sound old. Kids these days, they don't have any manners. Yes, kids these days, I don't think use manners. They don't, are kind of rude sometimes. I think that. I really do. So get used to being on your kids about saying please and saying thank you and being respectful to other adults and being polite. It's it's pretty simple. You have to do it a lot. I've actually had to really work on on one of my daughters for, hey, saying, well, when someone does something nice for you and you appreciate it, all you got to do is tell them that because because people like hearing that. So if mom cooked you a great dinner, then let her know. Hey, mom, this is great. This is really good. And I've kind of reminded her a few times about that and about other, you know, things in that realm. And it's finally, I mean, it's been a couple of months easy and it's finally kind of coming out now and she's doing it naturally and it makes me feel good. It makes her feel good. You know, she says, Hey, Hey, I really like this dinner tonight. Or, Oh, thanks for bringing me to tumbling class. Hey, you're welcome, sweetie. Like, that's awesome. I'm thank you for appreciating that. And it makes her feel good and it makes us feel good. And I say that's, you know, that's that's what we want to do. When someone does something nice for us, we want to let them know. And that's it's a pretty simple thing. Actually, there's been a couple of neighborhood girls. I, I mentioned being called Mr. by one of my daughter's friends. And one of the other ones, a couple of the other kids, they say that as well. They say Miss Megan when they're talking to my wife and they say Mr. Justin when they talk to me and it's... It's kind of funny that they, you know, some kids have these manners and they're taught at home. That's where they're, that's where they're taught. That's where they're picked up. So yeah, bring back manners, bring back respectfulness, stuff like that. So easy peasy. All right. This next one says retire prefix slash suffix names. The article says it's your call to name your kid, whatever you please. But there's been an influx of Bray, Bricks, Anna, Den, and L-Y names at this point. The combinations are more dull than creative, this article says. And I agree. I think some weird-ass names have been coming out. You know, if your kids named this, I'm sorry. But if, if it's Braylon or Brixton or Camden, Landon, or I don't know. It's just... The X's too. The Braxton, Brixton, Hickston, Jixton, Bixton. I don't know. It sounds like a razor blade company and I don't like it. Let's just go with names that maybe are a little more traditional. I'm sorry. But here's a trick that you can do. Think of your child as an adult and then talk to them like their boss would talk to them. Hey, Brixton, get in here. You got your quarterly reports? It sounds kind of weird, right? I don't know. That's my opinion. So I'm not telling you to do this. It's just something that the article said and I kind of agree with. So anyways, moving on, bring back focusing on social skills. What does that mean? It says a lot of the focus on early childhood learning has gone from social to intellectual as we try to improve the experience and catch up with other areas of the world and performance metrics. And we're not entirely sure that those performance metrics mean anything. It says, what we do know is that kids struggle more in social situations than in years past, and we can arm them with tools to succeed early on. Get our kids used to talking to their teachers and other adults and not speaking for them. I've noticed a lot of that speaking for kids, or you go in and ask a little kid, 
hey, how was your lunch today? Or what uh, sports are you doing? And all of a sudden the parent chimes in and says, oh, he's in basketball and tennis. And it's like, well, I was trying to help him out and help you out by having him answer and getting a dialogue, a child to an adult dialogue and helping him with his social skills. But it's like these parents tend to just dive in there and do that and it's kind of annoying. So that's all I got. That's what I would start with is letting your kids speak to the waiter at the restaurant, letting your kids, you know, ask questions to the tour guide at the Dolphin Museum or whatever it may be. Kind of cultivate those and encourage that behavior. All right, the next one to retire is overpack schedules. I don't know when this became a thing of overscheduling our kids in sports and activities and, and all these different things where you're just running around like a taxi, driving them here and there and them getting off the bus and then running them here and doing this. It just is kind of a lot. And I don't know when that trend started. It's kind of crazy that that we do that as parents. I guess I don't remember getting it done to me so much as a kid. I was in like one sport. I was in swimming and my stepdad was a swim coach. So I didn't dabble in a ton of things where my parents had to run me around. I didn't really want to though either. So is that more of the parents pushing the kids or is it kind of you know, go back to kids getting everything they want. And when the kid says, I want to do baseball. And then he says, I want to do tennis. And then he says, I want to do shot put or whatever. And then the parents are just saying, oh yeah, sure. Boom, 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 boom. Let's, let's do it. Let's get him in. Let's, let's have him experience everything, which I agree in to some extent, like having kids experience all different things is fine, but the overschedule is just crazy. And then all of a sudden your kid is not going to bed until 9.30. And come on, they, these kids are young. These kids are 8, 9, 10 years old, and they're going to bed at almost 10 o'clock and not getting great sleep and then getting up early in the morning to get ready for school or to get ready for the weekend game. And then, you know, I don't know. Personal opinion, that's what that is. Uh, I like to get my kids to bed by 8 o'clock. I don't want them, I want them learning things and doing things and experiencing things, but I'm not going to have them do so much and then allow them to like quit, you know, jump into that and then quit and then jump into that and be like, I don't like it, quit. Like, hey, start it, finish it, and then move on. Start it, finish it, move on. Like my daughter right now, she's in tumbling, which is only one day a week. And she's in running club at school, which is one day a week. So would I call that overscheduled? No. It's one day a week per pretty simple, pretty easy. And I'm not running her around a bunch. Which sure, that sounds maybe a little bit selfish, but we owe it to our kids to give them some downtime. To kind of cycle back up to the top of the list, to be bored, to do things with their friends, to be outside, to not be scheduled, okay? So... That's my opinion on that. All right, the last one I want to mention that's on this list is bringing back, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's about it. A um, couple more I want to add, though, of my own is buying experiences instead of gobs of gifts and toys and shit for birthdays and Christmases and other holidays. That's what I think we should be doing. 
I feel like this has gotten all crazy and kind of gotten out of hand. Like, it's this competition, silent maybe, between families or other friends or whoever, and it's just kind of insane the sheer amount of stuff that we buy our kids for holidays. And I think we could just kind of taper back a little bit. A good friend of mine told me about how they have been buying experiences for their kids rather than tons of gifts. And I I really like that idea. And I don't think it should be no gifts because I still think it's fun seeing my daughters open up a couple of things or it's fun watching kids open gifts, right? But like I said, I don't think it has to be this absurd, huge abundance thing that kind of seems to be the trend lately. Also with the experiences, I don't think they have to be some extravagant trip either. I mean, it can be going to a baseball game, it can be going to an arcade, it can be going to a water park, it could be going out to a nice dinner. I mean, it could even be camping or something to that effect too. But I do imagine that the amount of money we typically would spend on all that gifting would probably add up pretty damn quick. And a beach trip or a weekend trip to some tourist place would not be totally out of the question, I don't think. So just a thought there. Another trend that I like that I talked about last week, I've actually talked about it for a couple of weeks, and that's the continuation of fathers taking on more of a role with their kids and even maybe backing off or reevaluating how much time they spend at the work or at the office. That is, if they can. I know that a lot of jobs, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to work less. A lot of my blue-collar jobs I've had, I can't say, hey, instead of working till 5, I'm going to work till 4 to go hang out with my family. Like, I know that doesn't work that way, but there are a lot of other jobs that I think you can do that with. We can limit in certain ways, maybe less travel, less bringing the work home with us in the evening, and just more engagement with the family. I think I would like to see that. I would like to see it keep trending in that direction. Also teaching kids real-world skills. This is another one I was just kind of thinking about, and I think this should be a trend, that this should be something that we start focusing on. And maybe we do as our kids get older. My kids are young, so maybe that's why that I haven't really started doing this a whole lot yet, but just teaching them those real world skills, the financial skills, money, more than just how to count it, you know, more on how to use it, making it work for us or making it work for them, the cost of things, how credit works, how it's not a great idea to sign up for those four credit card offers the first day you go to college because they gave you a free pen and a free slinky. Okay, don't don't do that. Also teach them how to cook and build stuff and fix things and use an iron, which I still, I'll be honest, I still hardly know how to use an iron for clothes. I'm sorry, I don't. Or change a tire on a car or reset a breaker in the fuse panel. You know, just things like that, not just math equations, but just other real world things that they can use that are kind of beneficial. Lastly, The last thing I'm going to talk about, because I know this episode's probably really long, and I'm not sure that this is a trend. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just my opinion. But let's get back to letting kids make mistakes or telling them that it's okay to make mistakes. I think we should stop, maybe unintentionally, but stop making them petrified to fail or to not be great at something. 
that they do or that they like. It's okay to not be amazing at this or it's okay that we made a mistake. And I try to tell my kids this quite often that, hey, making mistakes is part of learning. I'm not expecting you to be perfect at all this stuff. Do we wanna try as hard as we can and do the best job we can? Sure we do, but if we make mistakes, I'm not going to like berate you and scream at you and tell you that you're a failure because of it. Like, Anyways, that's all I have for today's episode of Stay at Home Dad's podcast. If I didn't hit on a trend or a topic that you think I should have, please let me know. Also, if you're screaming at me and you are mad that uh, I'm calling you out or something, also let me know. I would love to hear from you. Like I always say, uh, I just thought these were a few things that I think we could embrace a bit more and a few things that I think are a little bit ridiculous and maybe need some changing, lessening, adapting, throw them out with the bathwater, right? Maybe we just get rid of them all together. So anyways, thank you again for listening. If you want to tell a friend and you haven't already, please do so. And I will talk to you all next week.